Mr. Weissman, mm -hmm. yes. tell us about the film you're going to make. Oh, sure. It's called Charlie Chan in London. It's a detective story. Set in London. Well, not really. Uh, most of it takes place at a uh, shooting party in a country house, sort of like this one, actually. Uh, murder in the middle of the night, a lot of guests for the weekend, everyone's a suspect, uh, you know, that sort of thing. How horrid. And who turns out to have done it? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you that. It, it would spoil it for you. Oh, but none of us will see it. trying to think of how to start the episode i thought of something uh when i was putting emerson to sleep a few minutes ago and then i fell asleep for about 10 minutes and i've completely forgotten what i was thinking of so insert creative <laughs> opening <laughs> oh nailed lord it. just it, nailed it it's a good one welcome to the second best picture podcast folks i'm kyle radford and i'm brandon mcmahon and uh, we're your one-stop shop for Best Picture nominee breakdowns. Brandon, what do we do here at Second Best Picture? I'm glad you asked, sir. What we do here is we take a certain year and we take every film that was nominated for Best Picture. We um, we then take that that one film each week. We you know analyze it, take a look at it, chop it up, see what we think, and then we talk about did the what academy uh, the academy got right, what it got wrong, what it missed altogether. And then at the end of the season, we do it all with an Oscar spectacular and talk about it from the awards perspective. It's it's a it's a good time for everybody. It's a it's a grand old time. Right now, we're in the middle of a uh, a series on the films that came out in two thousand one. Um, so you can listen to our past episodes on our uh, go to our website secondbestpicture.wordpress.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We're at Second Best Picture pretty much everywhere you could find us. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Amazon. We're on Podbean. We're everywhere you could. I mean, good lord, Brandon! I everyone we're 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 ubiquitous on the internet. I would think, and that's the goal, right? That's right. It, it just <laughs> omnipresent is what second best picture is. <laughs> now, but right now we're talking about the films of 2001, the best picture nominees. And uh, we're going to we're going to tackle a, a, a little bit of a whodunit this week dude, with uh, mm. Robert Altman's Gosford Park, a uh, uh, murder mystery set in the 1930s. Um, so let's kind of get into Gosford Park and robert altman and that whole thing because I, I i'm really interested to hear your take on this because i kind of know some of your background on things like this so sure I, I, it's really really interested to see where you fall on on this movie in particular but but i'm getting ahead of myself brandon getting ahead of myself it's okay it's an exciting night i get it i get it it is, it is it's it's so exciting i feel like <laughs> i've been invited to a grand country estate for a pheasant hunt and uh you, sh you, you should whisper just like this the entire time. in 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 uh yeah no in honor of robert altman we will be talking over each other all the night entire long. time folks. look at this here he goes here's our and that's right and then here <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I must say before we get into anything as a man who doesn't hear well 
mm-hmm. the films of Robert Altman are a real challenge for me. Yeah, because that's a bit of a minefield right there. The buddy. layered dialogue and the talking over each other, which which is his thing and, and that's his style and, and whatever, but I don't hear well. And so that's very difficult for me. To, um, so I, I, you know, I'll get into how I want to listen to this one, but I definitely listen to this one with headphones, which helped uh, would help this time around. Um, I can only imagine I didn't see I've never seen Robert Altman with closed captioning, but I can't even imagine what that would look like. No, I think you wouldn't be able to see the screen because it would just be filled. It's with just text. it just looks like old. Te- yeah, it, it's like a dot <laughs> matrix just going. You're just reading like- a novel at that point on the screen <laughs> with a watermark of a film in the background. <laughs> but, so Robert Altman, famous director. He's the guy yes. that directed MASH, uh, Shortcuts, The Long Goodbye, um, Nashville. Popeye, the infamous flop Popeye, which funnily was, enough, the that one with is, Robin Williams. That is what I know Robert Altman from because my grandparents growing up had a VHS of Popeye that I watched all the time. And so, yeah, that Popeye is a Robert Altman movie. I had no idea. I always, I mean, I know everyone knows MASH, but I always right. knew him from, from Nashville. Uh-huh. Wow. I had no idea he did the Popeye film. There's always also, one, right? In the, in the director's catalog that's like, how the hell did that get in there? It's like, yeah, there's always Hugo. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's always that one like, okay, what doesn't fit here? Also, I want to do an, a, a second or a separate episode where we just talk about stuff you watched at your grandparents' house because I feel like that's like a recurring theme we have yeah. here. Um, Th- this but, one, yeah. I'm not ashamed for my parents to hear that I uh, I watched Popeye <laughs> at my grandparents' house. It might be the only one that I can tell them. Uh, they, they, they're upset on principle that I saw that trash of a film <laughs> but in a different way than you know the your color of nights your police academies sure those type sure of things. sure but no as, uh, as, as they should robert altman a very established director um mm-hmm. he he and uh bob balaban who's an actor producer director himself i know him from the christopher guest movies honestly i know he said oh no he's to me he's russell the executive from nbc from seinfeld like yeah all my life that was that guy he yeah. was the champion of their little pilot. And then, of course, he has that great one episode of The West Wing where he's the billionaire uh, movie producer. That's right. Uh, on the, L- on the L.A. trip where they. Yes, yes that's that's yes. true. So but to me, he's he's uh, he's Christopher Guest. Like, OK, he's he, but, you know, be- so best you, you're looking for him to be tongue in cheek, like in on the joke all the time, but horribly inept in some way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. OK. Um, that fits. And funny, which he is in this. Like he is, yes. he's a Bob Balaban character in this movie. Very much so. Me. But, Very but much so. I'm getting ahead of myself. Bob Balaban, Robert Altman, they were at a party or they were somewhere and they said, hey, let's work on something together. And and Altman kind of, su- or Balaban suggested like an Agatha Christie type of whodunit. And and Altman always wanted to do something like that, like a, mm-hmm. a you, know, a, you know, British manor house type mystery. Um which I've never really read an Agatha Christie. I've seen the, I've seen the modern uh, Perot movies with it, Kenneth you Branagh. The, you ever seen any of the older stuff? I haven't. Um, reading Agatha Christie is not the same as watching it because uh, she's a good writer, and so you're allowed to fill the vacuum of her stories up with your own imagination. Mm-hmm. So it for a mystery that really helps. Like, I think okay. it helps in horror and I think it helps in mystery. Like, if I'm going to read, I don't know, I don't read a lot of like the romantic comedy books and stuff like that anymore. Um, but I don't read books anymore. 
<laughs> but I think in the in the in the genre of mystery and horror, it really avails itself to you fill in the blank spots with sure. the stuff that matters to you and stuff. So her books have that. The Agatha Christie movies, many of them I really, really like, but it's a it's a tightrope walk because the the murder mystery film genre, if if the mystery doesn't play, your whole film is sunk. And that is just I mean there are some versions or there are some um i guess versions of agatha christie movies that have definitely sunk because they didn't they didn't hit the marks where they're supposed to be right well and I, the the two brana uh hercule perot movies i think are terrible i i like i watched them both i i hated them both oh i, I never like saw death on the Nile. i like them don't i i like mystery movies but those are just bad movies. So it's kind of yeah. hard for me to, I, and I don't want to judge her on that because I could just tell those are just bad movies and that really isn't the story. But anyway. Yeah, you should you should watch Peter Ustinov's version of Death on the Nile. Okay. And then we can move on. But yeah, okay. it is fantastic. All right. Um, all right. Listeners, Peter Ustinov's Death on the Nile. Not Kenneth yes. Branagh's Death on the Nile with Gal Gadot and Army Hammer. There's a stacked cast. Um, so <laughs> anyway, they wanted to do, they want to do something together. They settled on kind of a murder mystery, but you know, if you know the if you know Robert Altman, he makes movies about in certain genres, but not necessarily about the genre. Um, you know, Mash isn't really a war movie, but it's it's a it's a war film, not about war. Nashville is a musical that's not really a musical. Mm-hmm. That's kind of kind of what he. It's does. always subversive, always a right. little bit subversive. Yes. Um, uh, Bob Balaban knew a guy who was an actor, kind of a not that successful actor named Julian Fellows who kind of knew this world and, and introduced him and had him uh, write the script. They, they brought him in to write the script. Julian Fellows went on to create Downton Abbey. If you know, mm-hmm. listeners are, are a fan of that series. And I think we, we might talk about that a little more in this, but that's where Julian Fellows is in this, but this is where he got his kind of bona fides, you know, mm-hmm. um, writing this. Um, so they, they kind of gave a brief outline of it. Set in the 30s, murder somewhere, but really they want it to be an examination of class, which is yeah. is what Gosford Park is. It's a it's about the upstairs, downstairs nature of a 1930s kind of British country home, country estate type thing. And wanted to look at the family, the guests, the servants, and kind of view all of that. And so that's really what Gosford Park is about. Um yeah. Uh, the original title was called The Other Side of the Tapestry, which I think is a little more on the nose of you get a sense of what the movie is other than just yeah. Gosford Park. Um, I, I, I don't like that. I think that's a pretty crappy title, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's also putting on a little bit of errors. Like mm, tonight we'll be watching The Other Side of the Tapestry. Like, dude, come on. Like, yeah. Make it what it is. Seriously. It's it's speaking speaking of Downton Abbey, like which what P- PBS masterpiece theater, or whatever. Like that's a PBS masterpiece theater right there. The other side of the tapestry. Yeah, I could see Laura Linney coming out and introducing that to me. Definitely, that's right. Uh, yes, Laura Linney. Um, everyone's <laughs> in this. Uh, famous if you're a famous British actor uh, that is between thirty and seventy five, you're in Gosford Park. It is a crazy stacked cast. I mean, yes. Uh, Michael Gammon, Kelly McDonald, Clive Owen, Maggie Smith. Uh, our first, I think, returning cast member, Kristen S- Scott Thomas. Is this the first Could time be. that we've had an mm. actor in multiple movies? But I, we got I, Kristen Scott Thomas. Didn't even Thomas. think about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rupert Grant, 
Uh, no, Richard Richard E. Grant. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like seriously, there's so many people. Ryan Phillippe, uh, who shows up, <laughs> and of course Bob Balaban. Um, but you, you got a lot of people in this. The the only yeah. one really that said no or didn't say no, but Jude Law was supposed to be Robert. Uh, uh, I mean, the Ryan Phillippe character. Yeah, and he, he had, had to drop out, out like, like two weeks before. So. Yeah, so they, they and must... I don't think it was, it wasn't his choice. I think it was like a commitment. No, no, no. Out of, yeah, he I wanted I mean, to be part of this. No, because Robert Altman was Robert Altman when this movie yeah. was made. I mean, he died only a few years later. He only did a few more movies. Um, yeah, and, so... and the entire cast basically took no money. Like they just wanted to work with Altman and wanted to do this movie. And if they saw, and I'm sure they had contracts that if this thing made 500 million, sure they would have seen something. But all of them waived their fees. Oh yeah, this strikes me as a real back end deal type thing. And it, it was made sure. for 19.8 million dollars, and then mm-hmm. its worldwide final gross was 97 million. So it was a super successful film, uh, distributed sure. by USA Films. Um, you know, kind of I one of those a, I, smaller. I have a yeah. question about USA Films. Is that the same? Is was that tied to the USA Network? Because that logo was the same. I mean, the logo is almost exactly the same. So, so I don't know. Yeah. For those of you who don't remember, USA was sort of like this outside USA up all of night. The, well, yeah, but like they had um they produced like the the TV show Weird Science, like mm-hmm. B rated sitcom. Well, they had like Baywatch reruns were on there. I mean it was a syndicated yeah, and wings and cheers and stuff it was like a TNT. I think it was an Yeah. It was almost yeah, like it, the Kmart version of TNT, if you can believe that's a good that. way to put it. Yeah. yeah. It's a good way to put it. But I mean I, I, I just guess remembered. they had a Gilbert film studio God. too. Look, look at uh, uh, we're doing our Robert Altman. <laughs> we really are. We're just talking right over each other. Yeah, I don't. Start. I don't know if they're related anyway. So, uh, you know, dear listen, dear listener, Google that yourself and you, you find out. Yeah, we're um, not going to do the research for you. We are absolutely not going to do the research for you on that. It's got an interesting shooting style. I think the actors, from what I what I've you know heard and what I've read, like loved working with this. It was heavy improvisation. Um, mm-hmm. Altman would always have two cameras moving at all times, never focused on a single character. He always said everybody's the main character. So mm-hmm. he encouraged people to talk over each other. He didn't want them to do the normal actor thing of you wait, you wait to talk, you wait to talk. He's like, just go. He famously Altman doesn't re- like really read and know the script. He doesn't want to know what's going on. He has his script supervisor that he will, you know, he'll, outline a scene they'll shoot it and then he'll go over the script supervisor and say did did they hit all the points they needed to and the script supervisor is like no we're supposed to announce the killer in this scene and nobody said anything (laughs) he's like oh crap we got to redo that but you know yeah that that blows my mind that you would direct in that manner yes oh my and i think you like spielberg who like oh wait you didn't say you said don't instead of do not we got to do this again like who's so meticulous about everything altman's over there not even knowing what the heck's going on no i'll buy that it's it's so interesting i mean it's not a way that i would ever if i was ever to direct a film i would i could never do that i would need the absolute control but he he seems to enjoy the artistry of it and the uh, the artistry of what the actors bring to it. He seems like a real actor's director. Like, I want. Well, he you, comes from theater, doesn't he? I would assume. I mean, I, I don't know him that well. I've seen Mash, and yeah. that's really it. Oh, and Popeye, and uh, yeah. I I hated Mash. I like I hate Mash. I think that's a <laughs> not a good movie. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily the. I mean, I struggle with his style, but it, mm. it's, I find it incredibly sexist, incredibly misogynistic. Sure. And uh and it's, that's that's rough for me. I, like a lot of the jokes, I was like, that's really in poor taste. 
Yeah, no, I get that. I, yeah. I not a fan of Mash. Kind of one of those that put a put a dark mark on everyone that's in it for me. Like whenever I see a like Donald Sutherland or Elliot Gould, I'm like, oh, you're the creepy guy from Mash. um but it's it's definitely a unique interesting way of filming that is a style that comes across in the movie you Um, know you always know if you're watching a robert altman film yeah always like his he it like we talked about it's subversive to the genre but yes everyone talks over each other and i'm sure that script a normal script's like 90 to 100 pages i'm sure his scripts are around 130 because they just pack the dialogue and everything. Yeah, it would be. It, yeah, I, I don't know his movies well enough. I mean, I guess they're all ensemble pieces, right? I, I like. I can't yeah, imagine he has anything that's. I want. I guess the Long Goodbye is like a Philip Marlowe detective type film. I wonder. I, yeah, that's I've the one I've always wanted one. to see with Elliot Gould. I go the the for when it comes to Altman like Nashville I think is good I I enjoyed Nashville it's yeah. it's definitely not what you think it is but it's kind of like a behind the scenes type thing Robert Altman films kind of remind me of the old British comedy where people are always walking in and out of the room and like you know slamming doors and one person says one thing and they're giving you little bits and pieces which you know I love yes I do <laughs> um, but like bad Robert Altman is like Prairie Home Companion did you ever see that one no the Lindsay Lohan it's, vehicle. Yeah, but she's a bit player in that. But there's this is an idea searching for a script, searching for a movie. Right. It's and that's his just, last movie. Yeah. And and I think he was he wasn't hundred percent at the helm because I don't think his health was that great. But I mean, there's some really just oddball stuff happening in that film where I mean Virginia Madsen's basically like literally an angel walking around with wings. And I'm like, what's what what, what are we doing here? Come on. I don't know. Yeah. So um his style is interesting to me, but it's it's very a tough needle to thread. And if if everything doesn't fire in all cylinders, you're going to have problems yeah. for what he's trying to do. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, that's you know that's kind of that's that's Gosford Park. Uh, uh, let's should we get into our quick and quick and dirty? I think it's time, sir. And if memory serves, I believe it's your week to do oh, the quick it's and dirty. My week. Okay. Here we go. I can do this. In 1930s England, Sir William McCordell's murdered during a weekend shooting party. And the question is posed, what if the movie didn't care? The personal lives and social dynamics of the upstairs and downstairs Denzians of a country estate are explored, set against the trappings of a classic British murder mystery. Nice. nice. Look at you. There was multiple three-syllable words there. I'm proud of you. That was difficult. That was difficult that, for me to get through. It sounded like a tough lift. Man. I gotta that, do may the be, that may be re-recorded in post- well played sir uh here we go a little bit of imd uh, juxtaposition here set in the 1930s a group of pretentious rich and famous get together for a weekend of relaxation at a hunting resort when a murder occurs each of these interesting characters becomes a suspect it's true except for the downstairs staff well also that's they're not at a resort that are home i mean this is just well they call it a resort yeah they call it a, a hunting resort like that's not even close <laughs> to this. It's nice when IMDb didn't IMDb. actually read or watch the movie. Seriously, they read a box cover and made a supposition. That's not how that. That's not even close to the plot of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So uh, let's talk a little bit about how we come into this, Brandon. I want to make a prediction. Can I make a prediction? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I want to predict that you had never seen this movie before, and that you did not like it. 
<laughs> Saw it in the theater with my older brother. Um, I've seen it 17 times. I have the script memorized. I love it. Nah, I'd never seen this thing. Before. Yeah, no, I never seen this. <laughs> this, I mean, this was one that um, I, usually Kristen watches everything with me because you know she's enjoying putting part of this podcast as well. Uh, this wasn't she was really excited about because she knew that you know she's a huge Down Abbey. Fan. Okay, I well, since your wife and I are so similar, I assumed mm-hmm. she's a huge Down Abbey fan as I yes. am. So okay, yes. that makes sense. Yes, and she was all in on on watching this. Um, I had never seen it before. I remembered rewatching what I rewatched like the trailer and I remember the commercial for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you why when we get to plot, cause okay. I don't want to spoil that yet, but, um, yeah, no, I, I was my hate where I come into this. I come into this about 76 hours ago. So, yeah. Okay. That's, that's How about you, sir. I saw this, um, for the first time, God, I'm going to say five or six years ago. I just, okay. my, uh, uh, me and my friend, we we swapped a bunch of uh, movies. Um, you know, we we I few years ago I did this huge task of digitizing all of my DVDs and putting on them on a hard drive and kind of cataloging mm-hmm. all of them, so I didn't have to deal with a, a you know huge shelf of DVDs anymore. And and a, a friend of mine did that as well. And so we, you know, of course paid rights to the distributors as we were supposed to and sent all of our checks and got all the money handled. And then we shared all of our films <laughs> with each other. <laughs> and, and so I have all these movies that I've never seen that I've, that I've heard of. And one of them was Gosford park. And so one night, um, me and I think my sister-in-law and maybe Caleb watched it. Um, cause I think this is when Downton Abbey had come out. And we were yeah. really big fans of Downton Abbey, like love love Downton Abbey. I've seen every episode, seen both the movies. I'm a I'm a big fan of it. It's it's melodrama, but I think it's really funny, and mm-hmm. it, I, I think it's good writing and good acting and and all that. So I I think it's a lot of fun. Maybe it's not good writing and it's not necessarily good acting, but it's a lot of fun. It's the third one. It's like a Fast and the Furious movie. Um, <laughs> Let's the- just compare it to me. You've seen Downton Abbey? Oh, it's like Fast and the Furious. It's, it's mean, like it's, the it's, Fast it's and Furious of uh, British, you know, uh, <laughs> a stake intrigue. <laughs> no, um, we're fam. But it, it, so it was interesting to watch this, which is like Downton Abbey is like the Nike version of this. Yeah, <laughs> this I, is... I, I was kind of wondering what it would be like for you guys that love Downton. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that struck me the first time, I remember that. Our old house, I don't know if you remember, the acoustics were pretty bad in the living room because it was an old house, yeah. it was wooden floors, it was it was really bad. And there were people in the living room, like, having a conversation. And so the mm-hmm. first time I saw this, I didn't, I couldn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who anybody was. It was all just mumblecore. I couldn't understand it. But, like, I enjoyed it, what I could parse. <laughs> But, I, yeah. but it was. I remember it being difficult for me. But you skipped across the top of the water. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, right? I, yeah. I, I, yes, I was able to surface level understand the movie and enjoy it for what it was. Uh, sure. I still was like, I like that movie more. So I to rewatch it for this podcast. I actually had to. Uh, I had a work trip. I was flying on a plane last week, and I watched this on the plane. And so I was able to watch it like with my headphones on, with the screen right in front of my face, just loud in my and you better believe i had that 
that thing cranked up to 90. I'm sure I did irreparable damage to my already bad hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was really able to catch the dialogue this time and understand it a little bit more. And so, so yeah, I I, like, I've seen it twice. I'd say I really saw it the second time and was able to appreciate it and, and get it more than I did the first time, which was a really distracted night of like, I don't know what's yeah. happening. I'm frustrated. Um, sure. And honestly, that viewing turned me off wanting to see more Altman stuff because mm-hmm. I was like, if this is what he's like, I can't follow his movies. Like, yeah, I well, need guys a- like us that will really want to watch a movie in a yeah. distracted environment like that. We start hating the movie because we can't understand like that. That's a very negative experience. Is us. that how is, is watching this, how other people watch every movie? Is that how I they think so? Passively I, understand films. <laughs> I think so. Because like, the, I, I, cause I had a similar experience this first time. Okay. Not that there was anything like it was just Kristen and I on the couch watching, but there was a point where we paused it and I'm like, I, I can't really hear it. Can can you? And yeah. so we uh, and we started cranking it. I mean, like we were like, well, Sam wakes up, he wakes up. Because I mean, I have a two year old, and if you you know, we don't ever want to try and wake the the the, the kraken that lives in, down the hall. But we were we were we were risking it with this film because I mean, you have to do that. Number one, it's also we had to rent it on I think uh, Amazon Prime, and it's a nineteen nine or two thousand one. Um, oh, it's a terrible what transfer. It is. It's exactly. terrible. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting, it's not, Spielberg has not boosted this thing up over the last 22 no, years. Uh, so. USA Films, for some reason, has not come out with the uh, <laughs> 4K Criterion Collection version of this. It is not on Disney Plus. Like, you have was to go down to a basement that. and watch it on an 8mm somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> did they ever re release this when Downton got huge? I like think they did. The I do. I do think there's probably a, a. I think when I was reading up on on it, I think I saw something about uh, releases of it. This could be totally wrong, but I, I, you know, I and I usually skip over that because I don't really care. But sure. I think I did see that there were multiple. I'm, they would be. They would have been silly not to if they didn't yeah. try to cash in on that because you you didn't watch Down Abbey at all, did you? I watched like two episodes. I think I tried to show it to you, and you were like, mm-hmm. "This is not for me." Um, yep. There's a lot of Downton Abbey in this. You know, the bones of Downton Abbey are in this. Yeah. So I think if they didn't try to piggyback off that, they are fools. Well, didn't Fellows even write Downton Abbey to be in this universe at first? Like it was going to be like a jump off point, And then they realized that wouldn't work. So they just 100%. took the bones like you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Downton Abbey is set like the first episode is set like the day after the Titanic sinks. So they moved okay. it back like two decades. But originally, yeah, it was supposed to be set in the 30s. They don't even, when Downton Abbey ends, they don't even get to the 30s. Like it ends in the 20s. So, okay. um, but yeah, that was the original thought. And they thought, well, let's go back further. But it's the same setting. It's like an Earl sure. and the extended yep. family of the Earl. Maggie Smith is in it as well. There's a mm-hmm. couple uh, in it. A couple of the servants or servants are in it. Um, it's fun. And it's fun to see the cast and see kind of how different, how similar they are. Sure. in this um the the cast is i mean it's 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 so interesting watching this cast so i mean it this is a hard one to get into the plot of it um because it's such a character movie like yes well i know and altman's approach to films is catch up when you can because our our people are talking our people are doing things they're just living their lives come on board and this one starts with a pretty good jumping off point of 
um, it's Maggie Smith getting into the car. You don't know yep. it's her until she can't open the thing. But it's very much like you see the nuts and bolts of what these servants go through to make the lives of the people they're serving that much easier. Like you watch them struggle with the hood of the car during a rainstorm so that once Dame or, or she was the Contessa, what was she? No, she's say? the Dowager Count. She's the Dowager Countess, which is like yeah. the yeah. The cousin, yeah, but once once she leaves the house, she's dry the entire moment of her, you know, existence. Right. While Kelly McLaughlin is just soaking wet from just trying to make this thing ready. Well, for her. that that I love that scene, and it it perfectly shows the dynamic that's going to be displayed the rest of the movie is where they're driving in a just a downpour, and she's at Maggie Smith's in the back. She can't open her thermos, and she's like, mm-hmm. I "Can't get this thing open." And uh, Kelly McDonald has to get out of the car. Come yeah. to the side of the car, open it. She's she doesn't have an umbrella or anything. She's just standing in the in the water. She opens it for her. Then another car pulls up, and the and Maggie Smith's character has a whole conversation while Kelly McDonald's just standing in the rain, getting soaked. Because <laughs> she's to, to to Maggie Smith, she's not even there. She's not nope. a person. Nope. Um, doesn't matter at all. And I think they say, and I'd have to go back and watch it, but I think the the thought was that there would always be like you wouldn't be with the upstairs house if there wasn't like a servant in the room, because you're yeah. always going to see the movie through the downstairs, you know, the servants and you really see the yeah. absurdity of upstairs versus like that. These people can't, they can't feed and bathe themselves. Like mm-hmm. they need this entire army of people to do it for them. And it's just all gossip downstairs as to what's going on upstairs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I really I couldn't believe when I saw Kelly McDonald because I hadn't seen her since No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. She's a baby in this. She came out of nowhere. I was like, who is this? And then I watched her give an interview and I'm like, she's Scottish because she sounded exactly like an East Texas person in the 80s would sound like, you know, she was in train spotting like that. I've never seen train spotting. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, don't worry. She's fantastic. I think she's a wonderful actress. But and she, well, she's the like kind of like, heart, she's the heart, the heart of this movie. If there is a heart of this movie, I think of absolutely it as her. Um, well, she's also our invitation to learn this world. Right? She's, she's so new, new to it. Yeah. So they get to explain to her, "Hey, this is mm-hmm. what's going on. This is what's happening. This is what you need to do downstairs. This is what's mm-hmm. going to happen upstairs." And then you got Maggie Smith's character is kind of teaching her as well, like. Hey, no, I don't want you to be. Di- she was. She has a great line. Like, I only expect discretion from what for I my say. Secrets. Yeah, yes. for my secrets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like when training a new one, I don't expect discretion except for my secrets. Yes, that's, that's fantastic. Maggie Smith is wonderful in this film. Like, she's I mean, just she's she's great in everything. But yeah, she's she great she is great in everything, and she is the most fun part of Downton Abbey as well. Like you, like and towards the end, he just started writing for her to have good lines. She wasn't even a character anymore. <laughs> She would say it's, absurd things. It's like, oh, you got her. <laughs> oh, look what she said. You'll rye, you'll bat you. Um. <laughs> I will say the scene in this one when Bob Balaban is telling about his play, his movie. And he's like, well, it's, it's like this. And there's a murder and, and everything. And she goes, well, how does it end? Who does it? He's like, well, I couldn't tell you already. And she just looks at him and goes, but we'll never see it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the one character that can say what everyone's thinking, you know, and has no, I have no care about what. Oh, she's so mean when, yeah. when she tells the actor, when she wants to put him in his place a little bit and she starts talking about what a flop his last movie was. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of humor in this. Uh, 
in this there is, movie. Yes, I, 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 you watched the trailer, right? Yes. The trailer makes it seem much funnier than it is. The trailer does, and when you rent it on Amazon Prime, uh-huh. it's comedy, Gosford what? Park comedy. Yeah, and I, I bumped into that because. There were some some pretty juicy one-liners and one or two scenes that I actually laughed out loud, but this isn't that funny of a film, and it's not trying to be. It, it's not interested in that. It wants to show you the world. It doesn't necessarily want to like. It's not trying to be police academy for the police. It's yeah. This is a slice of like they were definitely trying to do a meditation on the families and then the upstairs downstairs. You know, yeah, and, I think and it's the politics of going through that. Exactly. I think it's trying to show you the absurdity of the class structure of like the 1930s, mm-hmm. like English upper class versus their servant class. And there's humor in the absurdity, but there's also sorrow in the absurdity and there's frustration in the absurdity of it. And so it's, oh, I, I it's, think there's also jealousy and rage. Je- it, and yeah, like, it's going to show all, all of that. Of, yeah. And, and it it's. It's a little bit of thematic whiplash jumping between it, but I think what you realize what they're doing, and it, I think it's in- interesting for you coming into it for the first time, how long it took you to like, like get what, what that was going to be. Cause did you, you went in, I'm assuming thinking this is going to be a comedy. I was looking for a lot more tongue in cheek. Okay. Like, okay. Uh, here's a good example. When they get to the house is even called. I mean, it's called Gosford Park, but they never say that in the. They film. never say it because they came up yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. So they get to the house, and when we get to the downstairs, every single shot has the poison, and I'm like, okay, I get it. We're doing a thing, and I almost attributed it like less Agatha Christie and more like Neil Simon type. Okay, a parody of this, right? But then we drop that, and we start going on with you know like. You know, Kelly McDonald's character doing this. And then who, who who played Elsie? Oh, she's so good. Emily Watson. Emily Watson. Yes. She's like so good. Her just guidance of the characters and by, you know, proxy the audience to this entire crazy world. No, no, no. Your name down here is this. We call you by, you know, whoever you're serving. That's who you are down here because you have equal stature and there's a hierarchy for you just like that. All that stuff. We don't have there was there's no time for any of this absurdist stuff right now. Right. So we just drop all that and go into there's a lot to learn. Well, yeah, but also like it's going to matter. This isn't just window dressing. You need to, and that was to me one of the things Chris and I were talking about. Like, I really, really wish I'd read IMDb first and known the characters' names because there's 40 of them and they go whip fast. And I'm like, wait, who is that? Hang on. Stop. Who's Kristen Scott Thomas again? Who's, who's Clive Owen? Right. Who is he with? Okay. Like it, I needed a Venn diagram at a certain point. Cause I was I, getting lost. I was going to ask you because I've definitely, I, I'm sure at this point you maybe have, but like, I was going to ask you if you have any idea how the upstairs people are related to each other at all. Like uh, I was so off on a couple of them. Yeah. I thought Kristen Scott Thomas was um, who, who's the main guy? Uh, Michael Gambon, Sir William. Yeah, Michael Gambon. I thought they were brother sister for the first thirty minutes when she's in the bedroom talking to him, and he's like, "No, no, no, Louisa." And he's like, oh, "Well, can't, can't, well, don't upset a Louisa." I thought this is just he's the head of the house, she or head of the family. She's the brains behind the operation type subordinate. But then 
man, was I off. I- I'll be real with you. Okay. We're getting be real. Plot. Yeah. We could talk about our experience with this film. I, I, I did not, I took what this film was giving me and, mm-hmm. and, and, and like the menu at Gosford for Gosford park is just red herring. That's all they serve there period. <laughs> and I, I, I bought every one of them at okay. one point. I, I went down every rabbit hole as I was as gullible as gullible could be. And I missed things. There was, it was just not because I couldn't hear because they had my full attention but we'll get into it later on in, in 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 the reveals of plot and stuff. But there was parts that I, even talking with Kristen after the fact, like day or two later, I'm like, I feel really stupid. Like I didn't, man. Part of this movie just went right over my head. Like so, this, it just didn't. There were there were parts I was not connected with. Were you trying to solve a mystery the whole time? Yes. And it does not. I, it does not it, care. The movie does not care about the mystery. It cares well, about the characters. It does, but it does. It doesn't until like it suddenly does at the end, right? Like that. You're right. That and then, I, a, and then the reveal at the end. It's like, well, I was never gonna get that. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, let's go ahead and talk about it, right? Yeah, it's um, it's a there's a podcast about the whole movie. Later. Everyone's yeah. seen it. I mean, if you've listened it, to this, you've seen it. And if you haven't listened to it, if you haven't seen it, you're listening to this. You don't care. Okay. So. The movie has basically two killers, right? It's it's basically a scream film. Because I, and I'm not sure if that I'm not sure if that would hold up in court. Like he no. had the intent to murder Sir Williams. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. I don't think her her benign sacrifice thing. So okay. So spoiler alert: if you're going to listen to this point, you're way too deep in this podcast already. If you're because we're just going to start talking about this. Basically, what happens is Clive Owen knifes the guy, but he was already dead because he was poisoned. So the real mystery is who poisoned him, except, and this is where I jumped right off the track. I assumed the movie would be smart enough not to show me who served him the last thing he drank, except it does. So I thought red herring again. So once we established that he was poisoned before he was stabbed, we're into this like, Holy cow, no one knew this. Well, who was the actual stabber? Who was the actual killer? Right. We go talk to Clive Owen, and he's like, eh, I knew he was dead, but I didn't care. I hated him, and I was going to stab him because, you know, he's a horrible person, and he abandoned me when I was a baby. And you're like, oh, okay. So he's already made that leap. That's weird. I would think that he even says, I didn't go into the service for anything else except for it's what my – like, he's only here through his entire career to get to be able to attack this person. Right. He did, and the guy was dead when he did it. And he's like, "Oh well, all the well, oh, well. Oh, whatever." And, and I assume I hated the guy. Resignation in right away, like he walked up to Charles Dance, and he's like, "I'm donezo. My only—that's all I was here for." By the way, get yourself a new manservant. I'm out of here. Yeah, you know? I mean, well, he also walks around the whole movie like, "Hey, I'm the killer." Just so you know, I'm the. Oh, I'm he the lurks in every scene. I mean, the like, only one time when he's like, "I'll do it." What? What? what they need another hand. Yeah. Oh, the, which is yeah. So out of out of because he's so unnecessarily surly to everyone. Yes. <laughs> like yes. Like he's just, that. He's that just seems like a red herring in of itself. Like, well, there's no way this obvious killer could be the killer. Yes. <laughs> yes. But then. And we haven't even talked about Ryan Fleep, and oh, I want to talk. About oh, I know him. we're going to. I'm kind of oh, yeah. building up to that. Flames from the side of my face. <laughs> um, okay, so spoiler alert again. Helen you can Mirren, stop saying that. <laughs> I know. It's just it's a, the, Helen Mirren poisoned old man Gambon because 
lo and behold, he was a horrible rapist. He just brutalized yeah, the woman. One of the factory. grossest characters yeah, like, just, in film. He's just despicable. And he would, if you tried to keep your baby, he would fire you. Otherwise, he if you gave it up, he would give it, drop it off in an orphanage on his two days old. Just, just absolute. There's no remorse for this person whatsoever. No one should ever feel bad. Even when Emily Watson tries to say, I just like the way he talked to me. She doesn't even like she was like his steady girlfriend. Yeah. And, she, and she's like, eh, yeah, he had yeah, it coming yeah, type yeah, thing. Every, every, everyone's uh, reaction to his death is like, well, you know, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of over that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's this is how the story ends. OK. Yeah. But anyway, so the big reveal is that Helen Mirren knew that Clive Owen was her son. Right. And that he was going to do this. So in order to protect him. And Clive she, Owen doesn't know that. That she's yes. his mom. Yes. He thinks so his he, mom's dead. Yes. His whole life. And she doesn't correct him. Right. So she poisons the old man so that if he's ever found out, all he has is mutilating a corpse as a record. Again, the legal ramifications of this were not, that's not solid. It's good that she knew that's when he was going to stab him. My and not like was, night one. Seems like yeah. as soon as you found out, you would probably want to kill uh, Sir if Wood. that's going to be your course of action, let's just let's, right let's away. get it off the table. Not, not wait till the last night. Exactly. Also, the red herring of him getting shot on the bird hunt, which, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. My thing was, when we get to that scene, I'm so chased different multiple rabbit holes from this film. When she explains her motive, I ingested it as though it was an after-the-fact justification. I felt that she did it because she hated him. When she realized that Clive Owen was her son, she realized my son lived. Oh, I hate this man. I have righteous justification for him. And then she's like, well, I had to do it so he would live and be okay. And of course the baby, you know, by the time the, you know, parlor room explanation scene hit, I has, I was a little red herringed out. So mm-hmm. it never, it didn't land with me. I even asked Kristen the next day. I was like, so did you get that she was doing that to protect you? She's like, totally. I mean, she literally says that. I'm like, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't follow the, by the time the movie got there, I was expecting it to still be lying to me, I guess mm-hmm. is the best way to put it, that I didn't ingest it. I was like, mm, there's another, there's another cliffhanger coming or something. So it bounced off me hard and I, I, I felt stupid. I really did. I was just like, oh man, I didn't get this movie at all. Huh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, this movie is not what it says it's going to be. I mean, no. the, the murder doesn't happen until like an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. It's, it's just not, it's not, doesn't want to be bothered with that. It's so much more interested in class dynamic. It's so much more interested in the characters. Like it's not yeah. interested in the murder mystery. It's just a, it's a genre that they're playing around. And uh, that's Altman. That's what he's interested in. But that's also, you know, Julian fellows in the way Downton Abbey, maybe I'm yeah. a little more primed for that. Um, that I don't know. I think I keep forgetting both times that I watch it, that someone's going to die. Like (laughs) every time they show the poison, I'm like, Oh, right, 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 right. Someone's going to die in this because I'm really just watching and enjoying the upstairs downstairs. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to solve a crime from about 12 minutes in. Uh So, and I mean, even from like a clue, like perspective, like I know they're telling me things, but this show 
it, it, the way I was trying to describe this to somebody at work the other day, um, th- every single character is like they're on a second grade playground screaming, I've got a secret, I've got a secret. Like the little intrigues have intrigues that have intrigues and everyone's sleeping with everyone. And there's all these little, I mean, yeah. there's so many little plots. And again, it's Altman. So they just start and they expect you to catch up. And I'm okay with that. I like it when a movie wants me to do some work there. I don't mind that at all. Oh yeah. But this was Robert Altman with whispers. So you had to be like, there are so many quiet little scenes of people behind a plant or something like that. And because you're seeing so much of the world from the downstairs perspective, it's like looking up through a stairwell, Mm -hmm. seeing a conversation you're not supposed to pouring a drink and hearing something in the other room. And you, they just pile them on so heavy in that first hour that I didn't have time to decompress what mattered and what didn't. And I know that's the point of the film. It is. But I'm uncomfortable with that as a viewer because I want to solve a mystery. You know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not interested in going on this ride. I want to hang on just the facts, man. That type yeah. of thing. If, if you're interested in a murder mystery, this, this isn't the movie for you. It's, that's yeah. just not what it's about. It's not what they're interested in. And um, it, it's a, yeah, I've said it. I mean, I've said it five times now. It's a character study. And so that, you you need to know what you're getting into. It's kind of like mm-hmm. uh, when I went to go see Cats, I talked to someone beforehand who had seen Cats. And they were like, before you go, you need to know there is no plot and the plot doesn't matter. The whole show is going to be a cat coming out and singing a song about what its name is and what its character is. And that's the show. And so then I enjoyed Cats more because I didn't I didn't enjoy Cats. But I enjoyed Cats more because I wasn't sitting there going like, okay, what is Rum Tongue Tugger Tugger doing here? Like, what's the heavy side layer? I was just letting it kind of wash over me. And Gosford Park is a movie that kind of washes over you. If you get too bogged down in the thread of it and who's doing what to whom, I don't know. It it doesn't work for me that way. It, It works for me more just the characters interacting and the interplay between the the two the two classes um because i still get confused as to who's related to who like yeah i i that's that's hard for me to follow i i i understand on the downstairs who's paired up with the upstairs people but that's about as far as i can get again well, it's they conveniently use their names too so that, that helps so much thank <laughs> god they didn't have their own names now I get why I, they do that downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say that I, I do think not to beat this point to death, but I do think that I thought that I was looking to remember the old uh, magic eye 3D paintings uh-huh. like you if you relax your eye you and then suddenly the message pops out. I think that's how I tried to watch this film like. I get there's a lot of window dressing. I get you're trying to trick me, but I'm going to, okay, there's poison here and there's a, there's someone hooking up over here. And then she's in this room for a reason here. Like there's a narrative here. I can find it. And there is technically there is, there, there but, is a mystery here. I mean, there they're is, not, they're yeah. not looking for you to follow. Like yeah. they're not wanting you to be a detective. So there it is. But um, okay. I would be interesting. And I know you never will how you would experience this movie the second time. I might experience this movie the second time because okay. I've actually thought about that. I will say that when we finished, because, um, you know, Kristen was like, if we ever get the chance, I think we should watch Downton Abbey. There's a lot there. I think you love it. 
And I said, okay. And I thought about it. And about an hour later, I said, honey, I don't think I ever want to do that because the interplay of the upstairs downstairs to me, if it's not a vehicle for something, I don't necessarily care as much. Like that's not as interesting to me. I want, if that's the vehicle for telling me how to solve the mystery, I'll follow everything. But if that's just the journey, I don't know if I care. And it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. Downton Abbey is, it's just melodrama, right? Like it's just high. Sure. uh, But that's everything. I mean, that's succession. That's the West wing. Honestly, It is, it is, but, but yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit characters. Um, or so we talked about Emily Watson. We've talked a little about Michael Gammon, Kelly McDonald, um, Clive Owen, who I don't, you know, I'm trying to think what American audiences that, in 2001 would have known him from i don't think so he had not done the bmw commercials yet yeah and that was kind of like his introduction to america because when he showed up in born everyone's like hey it's the bmw guy that's right so, okay and then you got yeah. helen mirren who uh you know i again this is these are established people that i think older viewers would have known maybe or and especially sure. british viewers but like me if i saw this when i was whatever i would have been 19 years old i would have known who anybody this movie was except for Bob Balaban and Ryan Philippi. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Kristen Scott Thomas, just because I think, you know, she is. And I will, you know, Lord knows how many times we're going to watch movies with her in it. Cause I know she's in a lot of prestige films. Yeah. I think she is wonderful in this. I, she is very good. Her. And it's, you know, she does cold so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in uh, Four Weddings and Funeral, it's kind of cold with as a as a defense mechanism. Yeah, and this as is a slighted just, character type. Yeah, thing. yeah, and this is just bad person cold. <laughs> yeah, she's just a horrible. Well, also she's like she's cold, but so opportunistic. Her yeah. eyes are hunting in every scene. She's like a shark in water, just looking for who's more important. Who should I be talking to? How do I piss Bill off more? Type oh, thing. Just like yeah. how can I like the insults? Like yes, it, it, yeah. It's yes. um. She's very good in this. Yes. What the thing about this film is there are so many so many actors and so many characters and they're juggling all of them so well. That everyone who is wonderful, and I'm going to say that's probably like 75% of the cast, just blast that other 25% that's not up for this game. And there's a few in here that's not up for this game. I can't think of anyone who... I'm not even talking up. about that. I'm not I'm not there yet. No. Okay. Like, okay. So, who do you, two, so who do you bump against? Two to, major to ones. To use a Brandon term, who, who'd you, what'd you bump into? I bumped very hard into Jean-Paul from the West Wing. Oh, okay. Mr. Blonde. So that's that's the uh, that's the the suitor of Isabel, the daughter of of Sir William and Kristen Scott Thomas, his friend. Yes. Yeah. The friend who is is almost a non-character. Yes, but he's engaged with the maid. So or the the, the cook. Uh, But he he shows up for exposition in two scenes and he can't carry it. And I'm like, ooh, because it, it's all about once William's dead, now it's about legacy and all these things. And all of a sudden, we've got to talk about the money. And Mr. Blonde is there to advise his friend on what to do because he's trying to court what would be, he thought, a sizable estate. Now it's not. So they're horrible people. All this. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I not don't know how much that's, plot. you know, he's a, he's a, he's a pretty face and he's got, I don't know. 
it that's some clumsy like maybe exposition delivery there yeah what i'm saying is like in a film of this caliber with what's going on with some, and everything is just dialogue 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 which i love he can't carry that neither can the cook that he is hooking up with i felt right. the scene where she all of a sudden cares about when she learns of the horribleness of william and oh man all these women he's done this to and they play it off for a cheap laugh she's like well, you better watch yourself the way you don't close your legs or whatever they say, whatever the line is. I thought that was very out of character for this person to all of a sudden be a heart of the film. You know? Yeah, like, that, that character is a little cheap she's for just me been, for, this, yeah. for, the, for this movie. Like, it, it, it it's kind of like the... Uh, she comes in a little crass, like the uh, main... Uh, the prostitute lady from uh, Moulin Rouge, you know, the one that's yeah. the tango. Like, she's kind of walks yeah, yeah. like, how, how are you doing in here? And yeah, it doesn't really fit with the rest of what the film's doing. Even the downstairs people, because the downstairs people aren't, I mean, low class. Like, no, you know, they're, well, that's the thing. they're they all take very... pride in what they do. They're all... Well, that's how they discover, like, exactly. you know, when Ryan Philippe Star opens his mouth, they're like, well, that's just not done. We don't ask, well, why would you ask that question? You know, that type of thing. They're all dignified people. Um, well, Jared Jacoby even has the word, like, the one guy says, he's he's upset about the invest inspector. He's like, I know that you don't think there's value in, in, the, in the service of service, but the rest of us believe in it, you know? What did you speaking of the inspector? What do you think about Stephen Fry in this movie? And I will preface this with: I think Stephen Fry is absolutely brilliant. A bit of Fry and Laurie is one of my favorite comedy shows. I think he's great in *Be for Vendetta*. And I find him as the bumbling detective in this utterly charming. That he misses every clue, like the thing where he picks up something and and the guy's like, "We haven't dusted that for fingerprints, sir." And it's like they're and he kind goes of, back to try and do it again. Yeah, they're the uh, they're the. He's the upstairs, and his his helper is kind of the downstairs uh, cast that oh, yeah. actually knows what they're doing. Um, yes. You know, he's competent, and this guy's like, oh, I, I, I like so funny. He, he never even gets his name out. We don't. We, you have to watch. No, he's the never allowed to, to find say out what his name is. <laughs> I'm Inspector Tolman, and then somebody talks over him. Yeah, he's yeah. a bit of a sad sack. I I liked him a lot. I mean, I love that character. I mean, I love the actor. Sorry. So, you know, when he shows up on screen, I'm like, oh, I'll follow you. Where are we going? This is perfect. Yes. I liked him a lot. Yeah. He was, he's a nice shot in the arm at about the hour and a half mark to the movie to introduce someone new. Cause I, I think at that point, I'm getting a little tired of everybody else just kind of laying around talking about how, how tough their life is. Like, yeah. And we have this, um, some of the red herrings, once the guy's dead, like all the business, stuff we were going through with yeah. like the commander's thing and the I other don't guys care thing. anything about this follow it well it's supposed to be like oh here's a suspect here's a motivation for someone to kill him here's this right now yeah it's it's all but it's all setting once up. he's dead all that's gone so now we just have 10 people in the room that we have to keep giving time you know stuff to so like let's move along here but not even really like the movie's kind of a little done with all that too at that point because they're like can we just get out of here can we just yeah can we just yeah. leave we're all done <laughs> right this is over the movie's over isn't it <laughs> just roll credits we're, we're over this but yeah kelly mcdonald she's got to get her strong in there too that her the ending arc with her figuring out certain aspects well she's the, well she's our little detective she figures yeah. out kind of what's going on and then keeps it to herself and and mm -hmm. you know decides not. Do you think she stays on does she keep being a servant 
Or, I don't think so. I think, I think she gets her, out of the life. Her eyes are open, and she's like, "This is this is just a not a life for." Well, it, she sees you Elsie have to be a certain type of person, you know. El, she sees Elsie get out of the life too, right? She's going to mm-hmm. go to London. She get catches the ride with the with the Hollywood folks at the end, and she's done. Yeah. Do what hey. else is that? Jeremy Northam. He was great in this as yeah. as the actor. Yeah. yeah, he was good. He's yeah. a lot of fun and a heck of a singing voice. <laughs> All right, my friend. It's time. To, it's we got to talk about. Should we talk? The, uh, the big should we talk Ryan, Ryan Philippi? Okay. Number one, we, as we stated before, uh, Jude Law was going to take this role. Yes. Uh, dropped out like two weeks before first day of shooting, so they had to fill it quick. And so, I I will give a lot of deference to the fact that we had to get someone in there. And at the time, Philippi was a name. Oh yeah. So cool. Um, probably one of the most miscast I've seen in quite a while. Um, and if you're going to have an American, just California actor do a Scottish accent, don't put him in a movie with Kelly McDonald's. <laughs> he's just brilliantly naturally doing her Scottish and he's, or like he sounds like me at a party circa pro- when did Braveheart come out? 96. So around 98, this is what I did. I walked around talking like, this. but every, but everyone in the movies commenting on it, they're all I saying he, that's not a Scottish accent. Like, I, I don't know where he's from, but it's not Scotland. Like everyone that meets him is commenting on how bad his accent is. I mean, so I, yeah, is that, I don't know. It's is that's a that's a chicken and egg thing to me. Is that the limits of of Ryan Phillippe, or is it he's supposed to be doing a very broad Scottish accent for them to comment on? Like, what would Jude Law's Scottish accent sound like? Is this? I think it would have been better. Yeah. Well, but I don't know. I don't know how intentional that was. I, I get do the find you're him. Making... I don't know. It's odd. He's too pretty for everybody else but he's also supposed to be an actor like he is a different class than everybody downstairs who are the working class his accent is terrible but it's supposed to be a bad scottish accent but once he is known who he is Mm -hmm. um and he's kind of bossing everyone around i do think that's some pretty bad acting like i think that's pretty rough yeah well okay here's the thing and i know i honestly don't care for him as an actor i don't think he can act his way of a paper i, I, I don't either i don't either. you know I, but when i see him and like when i saw him the cast the first time i saw this i was like oh i'm gonna see another side of ryan Philippi. and then i was like no i'm not oh nope, nope. that's the same ryan Philippi. they brought him in for a reason jude law can be charming brian Felipe to me just comes off as smarthy and con like He's, There's no charm to him whatsoever. None. And so even when he like is seducing Kristen Scott Thomas or trying to help out, you know, trying to talk to Clive Owen about his life and that kind of stuff. It's like, sorry, you're as deep as a teaspoon. This isn't working. But, so, to, but to that end, they does, all hate him. Like he yes. doesn't actually charm anyone. Kristen Scott Thomas gets with him because he's good looking. Like sure, no one. Sure. She might as well say, you know, not not so much with the talking for you. Like yeah. they, I mean, it's they designed, all hate him. Yeah, and 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 it's designed to just scream he's a fraud at you the whole time. Yeah, but I don't. He he was so, 
every time he got in the film, with one exception, every time he got in the film, screeching halt for me. Just, oh, I heard the record, the needle skip on the record. I was like, oh, let's move this along, please. And you're right. Once he, once the jig is up and he's showing people who he is, like when the guy spills coffee on him or he's yelling at the chambermaid about, I was downstairs with y'all all week. Why can't y'all be nice to me? And she's just like, you can't, you can't do that. That's not how it works, dude. Just, you need, you need to grow up. Sorry. Yeah, like they leaned very hard into the he's an actor and he's pampered and he doesn't understand why no one can like him and all that stuff like that. I will say the one scene with him and Balaban, when you realize they're in it together, right? When he's in his chamber and he's like, "Hey, you have to take these things, otherwise they'll think you won't care." That was like, and he shows frustration. That was the one genuine moment from that character. Yeah, well, I I think also Balaban's really good in this, and he's good mm-hmm. in that scene. That helps yeah. too. Uh, yeah. But but you're right. Um, yeah, he he is. I think they really they missed out Jude Law and I not being able to his yeah. schedule not working for this because yeah, I don't know if it hurt. I don't know how bad it hurts the film because a lot of his weaknesses play into that character in general. Um, I wonder also if they once they saw what they had. Oh, let's let's make this more obvious. Like yeah, I don't know. know. I want to give him a little more benefit um, of the doubt yeah. than that. But yeah, so fair enough. But yeah, um, he was he was definitely the low point on that one. All right. Well, you know, that's kind of how, you know, that's the characters. That's the plot, all that. Brandon, what's your overall on Gosford Park now that you've seen it? Now, you know that it's not really the murder mystery that it seemed to be. You guy coming in, not liking Julian Fellows uh, other work. What do you think? It, it's not the comedy I was promised. It wasn't the murder mystery I was promised. Um it's not for me. It's yeah. not. It, this is Downton Abbey and, and Downton Abbey. There, you, we, you and I, not on this podcast, but we've talked about this before. It's a lot of looks and a lot of like just mm, two people looking at each other and you infer and then that's the scene, which I get. And and I, I've said before and I'll say again, I don't mind doing extra work to follow a, a film. I really don't. I don't have to have be spoon fed. But the dialogue nut in me, like I, I was actually explaining to somebody the other day and I came up with this idea. If you have a scene where interior woman sits on bed in tears, man walks in, she looks up at him and he goes, how long have you known? Okay, that's a it's a beautiful scene and you can write it that way. But to me, I'm much more interested in the scene where it's written. She explains, she tells him I've been cheating and he, you know, like mm-hmm. I want to see how the characters like the the building blocks of the conversation is what I really enjoy. So some of Fellow's approach to certain aspects of the film and 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 the Downton Abbey show from what I've seen are not for me because he'll give me minutia out the yin yang. But then when I want to see the hard parts, we don't. I don't really get that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I mean, you're wrong, me. but yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um i would i i i might watch this again just to see if there if i could pick it up on it but it's not something i'm probably ever gonna enjoy on purpose like oh let's watch guys let's watch gosford bark um and i told chris i said i don't really want to watch down abbey i the intrigue like i said the intrigues of the upstairs downstairs with nothing like if it's not driving for something else it's not for me well you know, like I said earlier, Downton Abbey is the bubblegum version of this. It is, mm-hmm. it's much more palatable. Um, it's much more accessible. I mean, it's different. It is just different. They share similar themes, but these, if 
coming in thinking that you're going to see Downton Abbey, if you're a Downton Abbey fan, even mm-hmm. you're not going to get Downton Abbey. Coming in thinking okay. you're going to see a murder mystery. If you're a murder mystery fan, you're not going to get a murder mystery. Yeah. I think I I like this movie to an extent. I would rather watch Downton Abbey. I would rather watch a good murder mystery. But yeah. I I appreciate the craft. I really do. I mean, yeah. to, the way he shot it, the way um, the lighting, the atmosphere, the characters, I think are really interesting. I do enjoy going on that journey. I enjoy having to kind of keep up with it and not always know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it was a hell of a lot of fun to make, and I can I can appreciate that. Sure. But, you know, to an extent, I do sometimes wish it was more the movie that I thought it was going to be, or that yeah. it's the movie that's in the margins of this is the one I'd rather see. Um, and yeah. maybe I'm just unsophisticated, but I, yeah, I, I like, I like Gosford Park. I'm sure I'll watch it again. Um, I enjoy spending time with the characters, which I think is completely the goal of the movie. That That's yeah. what Altman wanted you to, to do, to experience that and that interplay. I'm also a sucker for like a good historical drama or a historical movie where I get to see like you say, the minutia of how things worked then. Sure. I find that really interesting. I'm a guy that'll sit and watch YouTube videos on this is what actually what a 19 or a 1800s uh, British sailing vessel looked like. And here's a 3D sure. breakdown of it. And like, I enjoy that aspect of it. So as far as even a history lesson, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So yeah, I like it. But yeah, if it was a straight up murder mystery, I probably like it more. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes me simple, but it's I, the I don't truth. think so. <laughs> Two things I want to say because I think that I'm bouncing a little hard on this. Uh, have you ever seen Remains of the Day? I have not. Okay, um, that is a very good upstairs, downstairs with no farce, no kind. Co- like there's one or two zingers, but that is a straight drama, mm-hmm. and so. That was my bar, and it's Anthony Hopkins and uh, Emma Thompson, and it's beautiful. And so maybe I'm, if it's not that, it's not what I like. I'm I'm going into this with a bias type thing. Mm-hmm. So I thought about that. Also, Kristen had a really great point. This movie's jumping around and blending of genres, Knives Out, and Glass Onion kind of accomplished what this I think was kind of going for like this is the larva stage of that beautiful butterfly that we saw later on probably couldn't have been done without something like this Mm -hmm. but that is the successful version of what what they were going for here yeah maybe I don't know I think those are more interested in the mystery than this is I I keep going back to the fact that I I don't I feel like this is a mystery movie that doesn't care about the mystery at all like it, it doesn't even get like no one the fact that no one walks away in handcuffs at the end, I don't, I think is more about not that someone got away with it. It's more about that. Like, he doesn't care. <laughs> oh, whatever. Hey, we're done. They've all you left. Right. You could be right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I honestly, I think that's a pretty good take on it. So I'll take it. But it's it. But uh, for me, it, it's fun. It's a it's it is. It is a good time at the movies. Would you recommend it? Boy, that'd be a no, probably not. I mean, it would be a very 
um, select audience that I would recommend it to. I don't think I, I'm wrong, obviously, because this made ninety seven million dollars worldwide. This was a big hit. It, mm -hmm. it won awards like people love this movie. But to me, I don't see this as being a super accessible film. So I yeah. probably wouldn't recommend it to general audiences. Me neither. Well, I mean, I would have recommended it to Downton Abbey fans with what little I know. But you just said if you're looking for that, it's not that yet. So I probably wouldn't recommend this to anybody. There you go. Well, Brandon, mm -hmm. let's talk about something maybe that we would recommend. Um, what are you watching these days? You know, it's 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 a beautiful thing. I actually caught Field of Dreams. I hadn't seen that movie in quite a long time. The subtle magic of that film and, you know, being a dad going, like, yeah. you, watching that movie as a son is one thing. Watching that movie as a dad is something else altogether. And, Have you thought uh, about building a baseball field in your backyard? Yeah, I plowed down my back 40. I'm, oh, nice. Done. Yeah, it's Good. down. Yeah, Kristen is so mad. Like, you know, we had one it. growing up. My dad actually, uh, in our back pasture, uh, built a backstop and had a baseball field uh, that my brother's really? little league team practiced on because they were wow. having trouble getting like practice time. And so my dad built a field. That's such a your dad thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we had a baseball that's field cool. uh, growing up. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did, did ghosts of ball players? They did. Yeah. Just... There would always be ghosts, um, but they were more mm -hmm. spooky ghosts than baseball player mm -hmm. ghosts. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And, and because we had that field, that's why I played D1 ball. <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't mean to laugh so hard at that. <laughs> that's hurtful that's too much laughing too sorry. much laughing d2 anyway, d3 uh, <laughs> stop it i can't think of my sides um that film is magic it's one of i it, the ending alone is beautiful but that entire ride is gorgeous also i really love the score that oboe just do 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 going through that whole movie James Earl Jones, who apparently doesn't even like baseball in real life, but he has that iconic speech. Like every single thing about that film works and I love it. So, yeah, turns out actors just take roles for the money. Yeah. I've only seen that a couple of times, but I really, I, I, I know I, uh, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I mean, you have to cry at the end. Like you have to, it's like it, a I, response. I, I know you I rolled a single tear. Did you really? I, I, did, I rolled a single tear. The whole, like just the idea of, you know, yeah, I'm I'm always going to want to play catch with my kiddo. And, if, you know, I, you know, the whole thing the, that if you haven't seen that movie and you don't know what we're talking about, do yourself a favor. It is magic. Absolutely. Yeah. So how about you, sir? Uh, again, I went to a movie theater and saw a film. I know um, a, a current release. I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Guardian films. Uh, Love the first one. Thought the second one was a little dip in quality. But the third one is. Wow. Awesome. What a way yeah. to round, round out the trilogy. James Gunn, the, it gives me so much uh, optimism for mm -hmm. the DC universe moving on. I mean, he's just moving forward. He's, I thought Suicide Squad, Squad was great. Uh, mm -hmm. Peacemaker TV show is awesome. I've always loved James Gunn. I thought the Dawn of the Dead remake that he wrote was a fun movie. Slither's a good movie. Like I've just, I've been a I've been a big fan of his and I liked what he did uh, kind of shepherding the weird side of the MCU. And yeah. it's a hell of a conclusion to the story for those characters. I mean, that's the cool. heart, the, the oddity of it, the, the sure hand and such weirdness. It just has to be commended. 
it doesn't all work for me. Sometimes he gets a, he falls a little bit in love with uh, characters bickering that I, it's kind of like when you watch, it's always sunny and you're like, they're arguing a little too much. I get yeah. that. I get that with these movies, but I mean, those are quibbles. It's a strong landing for this. And it's, it is a, a Marvel's loss and DC's gain that he's going over there, but it, it makes me excited for uh, the Superman legacy movie that he's writing and directing. I think, yeah. I think we're going to see something special there. Cause this guy's a talent. So yeah, I I will absolutely. say you you are the one person you've been talking about James Gunn for for about seven to eight years before anyone else were. He was on your radar much older than the rest of the world. So. I think the guy's a, a major league talent. So you celebrate his whole catalog. I do. Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. All right, we did it, Brandon. We uh we're we're done with the English countryside for a little while though. We um, are. The murder mystery has been solved and. Uh, now we're going to go on a new adventure in our next episode. An epic adventure, might one say. Uh, oh, my gosh. Next time, Brandon and I will be discussing the first installment in the epic trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Brandon is excited for this one. I can tell uh, he's probably already rereading the books. He's getting his old tattered well-worn novel off the shelf <laughs> and uh pouring back over its pages <laughs> it's gonna be a fun one, guys you are gonna like to hear us talk about this trust me <laughs> are you ready buddy oh man i'm psyched uh before we go i just i want to take a second i want to thank everyone for uh, your attention your time your listening um comments likes uh, ratings we really do truly appreciate it it's um it, it just warms my heart so thank you so much yeah thanks guys uh we appreciate it follow us again on facebook instagram youtube all that stuff you can even email us at secondbestpicture at gmail.com we'd love to hear your feedback on the episodes uh love to hear how you how miscast you thought ryan Phillippe was in this movie um should he have just done a straight surfer accent or what should he have done with that why didn't they get freddie prince jr was he busy that weekend <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thanks brandon good talking to you buddy you too, sir. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm.